This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rochelle Webb-Dixon, Senior Vice President and COO of Freighter Hospital in Wisconsin. Rochelle, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate the opportunity. It's great to speak with you as well. Now, I'm really looking forward to our discussion about some of the big growth opportunities at Freighter and, um, you know, consumer engagement and a few other things. But before we dive into that discussion, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Happy to do so. So I am a native of Cleveland, Ohio, um, and went to school at the University of Michigan, Go Blue, for anyone out there listening who's a U of M alum, um, but really started my career in um, Houston, Texas. I did my fellowship there and was there for about six years. And so I had the opportunity, I say, to grow up in health systems. Um, I worked with, for what is now Memorial Hermann. Um, I'm also spent some time at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, as well as with Common Spirit, um, formerly CHI, Catholic Health Initiatives, where I've spent about 17 years of um, my career. And what I love about my Common Spirit experience is that it taught me about um, the spirituality piece of what we do in terms of healing. Uh, And being able to work in a Catholic health system has really kind of shaped my leadership and very thankful for that. I joined Freighterd in May of 2020. So in the midst of the pandemic, um, I joined this team um, and I'm very grateful for this opportunity as well. One, we had to hit the ground running as everyone did um, with the pandemic surge, but then two, to work with a great team and have the opportunity to grow the system regionally is an honor. So thank you. Well, that's really fascinating, and especially uh, what a time to jump in and, and begin a new role in leadership within a hospital. Um, what was it like for you to be thrown into the fray? And especially, I know you said you're from Cleveland, but in Wisconsin, just kind of a different market. Um, what is that like for you? Yes. Yeah, so even though I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, went to school at Michigan, I literally left the Midwest. I've been in the South, I've been in the West. And so this is kind of my first time back in the Midwest in over 20 years. And starting a new position in the midst of a pandemic is very interesting. Um, and so I tell people it was um, it was a blessing because everything, we were in incident command. And so understanding how the, the organization made decisions and understanding who were the individuals making those decisions, really easy. I also had names, and so I felt very um, protected, if you will, because I was part of a team understanding this new dynamic and understanding a new city as well for me. Um, I think the pandemic also taught me um, a lot about how this system um, values its employees or staff is what we call them. And what was paramount for us is ensuring, of course, that we keep our staff safe as well as treat those patients who, who trusted us with their care. So it was... Um, I say 2020 as a whole was, you know, not a great year for most, but for me, I count it as a blessing because I was uh, I had a great opportunity to start a new position and do it with a team that I know will revolutionize care going forward. Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And looking ahead in, in what you're um, focused on right now, what are some of the biggest trends that you're watching in healthcare today? I I will talk about, um, I think the one that's most paramount for us is around virtual care and remote medicine. So um, prior to 2019, less than 1%, less than half a percent of our visits were virtual. Because of the pandemic and the need to continue to provide services, we hit about 24% of all of our visits in 2020 were virtual. 
Why is that important? I think about it in terms of um, people today. If you think about it, if you order um, any item, it kind of shows up at your door. Or you have access to your smart device to kind of touch and see and feel so many different things. People want that same access, that same opportunity in healthcare. So for me, the virtual health piece of this was one of those lessons learned and one of the growth opportunities for us. I think Freighter was um, successful in it because they had been building the platform, the infrastructure to provide virtual health care. And I think it was a five-year plan they literally had to execute within seven days. Wow, that's yeah. that's amazing to think about how condensed that would be five years into seven days and then make that work. I, I can't imagine what uh, what went into all of that. You know, and it's and again, I'm coming in new, but it was some of the bumps and bruises, but it was kind of out of necessity. And I think what mm-hmm. it also taught us is that we have these laid out plans and it kind of gives us time to research and plan. But when the rubber hits the road and you just need to execute, they were successful at that as well. With, you know, granted, there were some bumps and bruises, but you kind of learn adjust, adapt, and kind of keep moving forward. And so that's our goal, right? So of course, we don't have a five-year plan anymore to implement virtual care. It literally is continue to build off of what we did in 2020 um, and make sure that that's the right setting for individuals who want it. And if they don't, how do we help them get back into in person? That's really a great point. And thinking about since you transitioned to the virtual care, what um, was probably the biggest lesson that you learned or thing that you refined or iterated on to make it even better going forward? I think it's the connectivity for us, um, especially for our providers, but also recognizing that um, when we talk about virtual care, there's a huge population that don't have smartphones, that may not have Wi-Fi in their homes, right? So how do you, even though you want to provide the virtual care and you want to be accessible, how do you do it for those communities that are most vulnerable? So that also kind of has been an aha moment for us, understanding how do we still stay connected even though they may not have the resources they need to connect with us on a virtual platform. That makes a ton of sense and obviously is so important for many communities across the U.S. Now, where do you see the biggest and best growth opportunities for Freighter Hospital in the next two years or so? You know, there's a huge push within Freighter to ensure that we provide the right care at the right time in the right place, which is what all of us say and hear in healthcare. But I really find that to be kind of the focus for us from a from a um, Freighter and MCW Medical College of Wisconsin viewpoint. And that for us is how do we provide or, or amplify our ambulatory platform, also our virtual platform, but then stay connected to vulnerable communities so they also can receive care. So I sit at the Academic Medical Center. One of the things that I was very appreciative of is the connections we have with federally qualified healthcare centers. So again, I talked about the virtual piece, recognizing that it left some people out. Kind of the same thing when we talk about our growth strategy. How do we also connect or cooperate with FQHCs and other partners in our community to provide care to those who may not come on our campus nor may it may not be the right place for them. So I, in terms of growth for us, it's how do we provide the services in the right setting, whatever that setting may be. Sometimes we may be out front, other times we may be behind when I think about our relationships with some of the QHCs. So our community sees 
the FQHC, and then we kind of help support and fill in the gaps of the services that they need to provide to those patients. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. And, you know, I'm looking at some of those gaps in, in the ways that you're reaching out to those um, that community, what have you, what are you planning on and um, what has worked best for you? I'll talk about one um, and it's a partnership we did with a barbershop. Um, and most people would say, oh, that kind of makes sense. And some people would say, oh, that's kind of different. And for us, it was an opportunity to expand um, health screenings in a setting that was common to the African-American community. And so we're providing community health workers that will do uh, screenings and then refer patients to um, different settings based on their needs. It may come to Freighted Hospital. It may go to one of our QHC partners. But it's a space that allows, um, at this point, African-American men to receive the education and the screenings they need in a setting that's very familiar to them. So I think that's one of the things that also came out of the pandemic for us is how do we capitalize on relationships that expand our reach and that also expand the services that are available for our communities. Got it. That's a really interesting approach. And obviously I can imagine uh, for people who might not otherwise have gone to the doctor's office or clinic, having that uh, those services available within a familiar setting certainly can make a big difference in their health and, and hopefully prevent um, worsening issues in the future. True. And that's our goal, right? If we can teach you about your cholesterol or your high blood pressure, what you need to do, and then also provide the mammogram screenings if we need to, or other screenings that help you stay healthy. Um, our goal is to be your partner in health, right? So, so many times people think about coming to a hospital when they don't feel well. What we're trying to say is we want to partner with you to keep you well. So how do we do that in a way that's non-threatening and doesn't require you to drive to our campus? I love that. That's just an amazing way to connect with the community and, and get great work done. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I wanted to ask you about um, consumer and patient engagement as well. How do you see that changing the healthcare industry and what investments do health systems need to make in order to keep up? Great question. I think um, one of the things we've definitely learned is that, you know, our patients have always had voices and even through the virtual care piece, it's a great way for them to connect. I think for us in terms of our investments going forward are those IT investments, not only from our provider or staff perspective, but also from the consumer perspective. So are there ways to help communities that don't have Wi-Fi have access to Wi-Fi? Are there ways to provide um, devices to individuals so they can continue to receive their care even in their home um, and do that wraparound piece. Now, we might not be, we might be a supporter. We may not be the actual provider, but how do we help build a community that's connected and also focused on staying healthy? So that's, I think, one of the things I think about when I think about kind of what's coming next from us from a consumer engagement perspective. And for those individuals who want to come back in, how do we do that in a safe manner? How do we um, ensure that you have access? So if you want an appointment and you need it this week, how do we ensure that that happens, whether virtually or in person? If you have to have testing, how do we ensure that you're not waiting several weeks to get your test, but that we can be responsive to the need? And I think that more than anything else has kind of been our lesson. If we could go from a five-year plan on virtual care to doing it in a week, 
why can't we or why shouldn't we figure out how to open up our our scheduling system to allow people to engage with us on a more real-time basis? And I think that's the opportunity that rests for us going forward. Got it. That's such an innovative mindset in terms of just a you know, tackling a problem and making it happen. Um, even, you know, if, if not everything has been fully thought out yet, but really being able to make those pivots and the necessary changes to fulfill the needs in the community. Absolutely. It, and it is, and it's an opportunity to say that we, if we're here for you and we're a community partner engaged in keeping you well, then how do we do that in real time and not expect you to wait three months to get into us and then another three months to get the test that you need? Absolutely. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Laura, I appreciate the opportunity always. Thank you very much, and thank you and Becker South for all that you do.